This is the Lake Ridge Faith and Culture Podcast with our series, God Rules. Women want more rights, more access to abortion, more freedom, not less. Hell is knowing your truth and lacking the courage to live it. I don't care. I have lots of things I disagree with about the Bible. Why are we doing even a series on the Ten Commandments? The law was always meant to communicate God's character and God's truth and the reality of how God made the world. An articulation of our purpose, what it means to be human according to God's intent. Here's what happens when you balk at structure, balk at God's guidelines and boundaries that he's posted. It's not good what takes its place. So when God gives us these instructions, basically it, it, it implies you're a bunch of lying, fornicating, self-worshiping yeah. louts, you know. We shouldn't think about them as arbitrary rules, but we should think about them as God showing us the way to live fulfilling, long-lasting life in the world. We believe the enemy is after your mind and heart, and as shepherds, we're jumping into the fray. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the conversation. And we're back with all of the usual suspects together today. We've got Kyle Wisdom in the room. Yes, I am. And Van Minter. Hey. <laughs> and Keith Lowry. Hi there. And I'm Ben Lowry, and uh, we're, we're, we're glad to be back talking about God rules, um, the rules that God gives us because God, in fact, does rule and all the other fake gods drool. Um, that's the point of all these podcasts. And so um, today we're actually diving into, what is this, the fourth commandment? This is. Um, this is the fourth commandment. And because it, the, the, the commandment is to keep the Sabbath day holy. And uh, we're going to read the, the, the full context of this command. But I want to just say, I sort of anticipated that this was going to be maybe one of the weirder conversations that we have, because it isn't as though the Sabbath is something we, as 21st century Christians, I think, have the clearest concept of. And so yesterday I started looking through, looking for, I thought it might be good to start with a good Sabbath joke. And so I was looking all over online for a good Sabbath joke. And or and I I was coming up completely dry on Sabbath jokes, so what? I said, well, maybe there's a great rest joke we could start with, and, and that's what you call niche humor. Yeah, most of the rest jokes were all about like being laid to rest. They ended up being like death jokes, and so hmm. I, I all that to say, if you're a joke writer listening to this, there is a wide open lane <laughs> for Sabbath and or rest jokes to be written. So. Um, <laughs> If you've, uh, Kyle, looks like you've got your Bible open to Exodus chapter 20, I'm guessing. Could you, could you read us the full text for the fourth commandment? Yes, this is Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, this is going to be kind of a fun conversation to have. It's going to have to get its own legs and go where it wants to go, but I, I do think it's worth pointing out here at the start that this is a reminder to us that the Christian faith is born out of a very Jewish context. Um, well, I mean, Jesus himself is uh, the Jewish Messiah, and we're, as Paul writes in Romans, grafted into that um, living tree that is God's people. Um, and so all, when, when we're studying these commandments as Christians— they originate in a very Jewish context, and the Sabbath is a very Jewish um, holiday or or uh, day of obligation or remembrance. Um, the Sabbath is is all at once something that we don't often think of as 21st century Christians, unless, of course, I guess you're a Seventh Day Adventist. Um, but but the Jews thought a whole lot about. I mean, like God God killed folk 
for not keeping the Sabbath. So yeah. th- the Sabbath was something that God took very seriously in the Old Testament. How do you guys think we've gone from the Old Testament? I mean, there there are, there is an answer to this question. I'd like to just throw this out there to the group. How do you think we've gone from a context where everyone's obsessing about what can and can't be done on the Sabbath to right. Like, it's the last thing we even think about as 21st century Christians. And this is, this is like the, the center point of the entire Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah. I would say there—so when you look at the conflict Jesus has with the Pharisees in the Gospels, a lot of people give the Pharisees a really hard, a really hard rap for this because they are adamant— and persnickety about every detail of the Sabbath to the point where they're afraid if Jesus starts healing people on the Sabbath, this may be breaking those commandments. And I don't want to like take the side of the Pharisees. That's probably not the place one wants to be in biblical interpretation. But the reason they did this is because, to your point, they lost a lot of things as the people of Israel when God judged them for not keeping the Sabbath. A lot of what God told them when they were sent into exile— is because of their inability to keep some of the things like the Sabbath commands, like the rest commands for the land in the year of Jubilee. Um, And so I think part of the reason we don't have this reverence for the Sabbath is because it's sort of a general trend of seeing God as not really a rule maker in general. We sort of see the Sabbath as the most rule-ish, maybe, the most just kind of, well, this is a command that's really based upon you know, keeping a certain set of uh, arbitrary rules. We see this one maybe as more arbitrary. And so once we stop thinking of God as a rule maker, or particularly as judge, then this one we see having less maybe practical application. And so if it's not about me, and it's about something else, I'm probably not going to follow it. That's that's probably a pretty good summary of the 21st century mindset in general. If it's not about me, I'm probably not going to follow it. Um, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's good. Um, go ahead, Van. I would say that I think maybe um, where we sit today, we think that grace, uh, well, grace probably lessens our our perspective on the seriousness of the command. Mm-hmm. We take a more laxed view to it, or like you said, probably on this one in particular, have paid the least attention to. Um, I remember growing up, you know, I think the Blue Law, you, restaurants weren't even open on Sundays and things of that nature, so nobody was working where you could go out to eat. And um, There was more of an observance, I think, at least back when I was a kid, of this in some ways um, in town or in the city mm-hmm. that you lived in, but... Boy, that's kind of going out the window. I mean, it's Sunday is just like Monday through Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. and everything that we we see and do today. So, yeah, I think I think that both of you are highlighting something that we picked up this 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 concept in our last episode on not taking the Lord God's name in vain. This idea of reverence and respect for the Lord <clears throat> um, that that something could be considered sacred and then treated as sacred. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'll also say this. I think there's not only a really bad lack of sacredness that we give to this, and we don't think that God is something that needs to be kept reverent. I think also it comes from a really bad um, anthropology. I think it became a shift in what we think humans are. I think God is giving people a message about what humans are for in the Sabbath, and we see Jesus' correction of the Sabbath in the Gospels following this trend. And so when we started thinking of humans as primarily about um, what what their utility is, what sort of things can they accomplish, and that being the most important thing about them, then the Sabbath became a barrier to being more human. And so I think in that way we sort of got rid of it. Mm. Yeah, so then how did—what what did Jesus—what was his corrective— well, I think <clears throat> back during the Cold War, um, there was a contingent of— Is this going to be a story about Russian torture? No, no Russian <laughs> torture. Okay, all right, good. Um, back during the Cold War, there was a contingent of American politicos who were sympathetic with Russia, and they would 
um, they would sort of argue from a position of moral equivalence. They would say, if it's okay for the U.S. to do something, then we, it should be okay for Russia to do it, as if the intent and the purpose behind both of these actions, like you could just devo- kind of close your eyes to the moral uh, agenda involved and just pretend like, because the actions are the same, they they must be morally equivalent. Um, <clears throat> uh, William F. Buckley, who was a writer and commentator on the political scene during those years, used to say, describe moral equivalence this way. He said, moral equivalence is when you, um, when you say uh, that the person who pushes an old lady into the path of an incoming bus and the person who pushes the old lady out of the path of an incoming bus are both equivalent because they're, they're both, both pushing, pushing old ladies, ladies around. <laughs> you know? And I think, weirdly enough, you know, I think that what Jesus did was a corrective on that. It was this notion that hmm. uh, the person who, um, you know, works for his own benefit on the Sabbath is no different from someone who heals a human being on the Sabbath. That these, because hmm. they're both doing things, you know, as if these things hmm. are somehow morally equivalent. I think what Jesus did at some level is introduce uh, the moral calculus into the question of our actions on the Sabbath. And he, you know, he called out the fact that the Sabbath is designed to be beneficial for human life and human flourishing. And um, what he was doing in that regard and healing people on the Sabbath was completely beneficial to human flourishing, whereas... Um, you know, his corrective was to think about our actions on the Sabbath divorced from the question of human flourishing. Yeah, that, that you know, you made a comment in an offline conversation, Dad, about um, Jesus, you know, you, you were making the point that Jesus, I think, was making, which is that he is Lord of the Sabbath. Right. Um, and so whatever our conversation is as Christians in the 21st century about what is the Sabbath and how did we get from Saturday to Sunday— um, the answer is first and foremost the fact that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, um, and and this ultimately connects. It really does connect the first, second, and third commandment to what's being said here on the Sabbath, because in the first commandment we have not to take uh, or not to have any other gods before Him. The second commandment is not to worship any idols, and we've established that well. We've, we've sort of removed any other god but the self in the 21st century. And then in the second commandment, we've made our own image idols. And then in the third commandment, we've lost all sense of sacredness and sanctity um, for, for the Lord himself. And now here we have a day set aside that belongs to the Lord, that's, that, that really is owed to the Lord in, in an Old Testament context. We don't have any concept for in the 21st century because, to your point, Kyle, it's not about us. Right. Except Jesus says it actually is about you, oddly enough. Yeah, well, and I think you have to get to it the right way. I think Jesus was saying one has to follow the other. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath is in some ways a cool hinge point for these commandments, I think, Mm. because it is a hinge between the two tables we've talked about, glorifying God and then honoring our neighbor and I think you see a small snippet of, to your point, the Sabbath feels like it's not about us because it's demanding something of how we view God and how we view ourselves. So when you look at the way the Sabbath was sort of began in the wilderness, uh, was when God was giving manna to the people of Israel. He would give manna every single day, and the command was, only take enough for that day because I'm going to send manna tomorrow. So the way you showed faith on days one through six was... Uh, you only take enough for that day, believing God will send manna the next day. Except for on the sixth day, right before the Sabbath started, he said, take two days worth because I'm not sending manna on the Sabbath. And the command was in order that you, and, and the point being, God wants you to understand on the Sabbath, you rely upon my provision. You don't go out and work for your needs on the Sabbath. I provide for you that day. Yeah. And well, so it forces you to sort of confront that you're not sort of the one who provides for yourself. You are not the one who defines yourself or determines yourself. I think the other side of it is that um, there's a point that God repeatedly makes, and Jesus actually notably makes it in his conflict with Satan in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, and that is that you can't 
define human flourishing purely in terms of material gain. Hmm. Um, I think that um, when Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, that's really the point he was making. He was hungry. He was, you know, he was suffering at some level from lack of material sustenance, but he was making the larger point to Satan that that's not the only factor that enters into the question of human flourishing. And so I think part of what Sabbath regulations did was to remind them of their dependence on God, but also to remind them that there are things more important mm. than acquiring material uh, provision mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of our life. And and I think that gets to, in, in both the Deuteronomy um, articulation of the Ten Commandments when Moses was sharing this with the Israelites years later and in the Exodus event, both of them are, you know, they, the first word in each of them is remember. And there is this, I think, the central idea of the importance to human welfare of remembering things that are important. And, and Jesus sort of telegraphed this not explicitly, not even telegraphed it when he said, do this in remembrance of me, you know, when he when he established a communion, there's something about being human that requires us to take action to reinforce a memory hmm. of something hmm. vital and important. I, I think we need to um, pause now before we get way too deep in the conversation and try to develop a little bit of biblical history for the theological development of the Sabbath. And this, this is not... Um, the, this is not a time to check out if if you're listening to the conversation. This is going to be an important step, I think, in helping us understand how did we get from creation to 21st century Christian observance of the Lord's Day. So th- this it, this really is the Sabbath is something that goes all the way back to and is rooted in God's rest from creation. This is as much a first principle as anything else we did in the first principles series. This idea of resting on the seventh day because God worked created the world and then rested on the seventh day. All right, so then he held the Jews to a standard of imitating his behavior to rest on that day for their own good and as an observation of, uh, and as a day of commemorating God's work in their lives and his covenant with them. The Sabbath was a covenant day, all right? So then he killed them because they didn't keep the Sabbath, right? And and, and, and he killed them for all kinds of reasons. But he killed them because they didn't keep the Sabbath, among other things. Fast forward to Hebrews chapter 4, and the author of Hebrews is dropping some knowledge on us about God's rest on the seventh day and the Sabbath itself and Christ's fulfillment of what God's rest on the seventh day actually prefigured. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It boggles my mind. I don't fully understand what the author of Hebrews means by by the, the day of rest that God instituted at the very beginning of all history, the Sabbath that he imposed on the Jews, and then how Christ himself is the fulfillment of that rest, except to say that in Christ, when Christ arrived, he fulfilled the Sabbath, all that it prefigured, it is Christ himself is God's perfect rest from all the work that was levied on us in the law. Hmm. And when we get the Spirit, this is Galatians chapter 3, when we get the Spirit and we are then adopted as sons of God, we are set free from the obligations that a slave has to the law because hmm. we become hmm. heirs of the promised Spirit in Christ. So there is something, I think, in the Christian observance of a Lord's of, of a day devoted to the Lord that ought to not just reflect the Sabbath, but transcend and and even go beyond what the Jews viewed the Sabbath to be. It is a fulfillment. The Christian Lord's Day is a fulfillment in a special way of the rest that Christ gives us that the Jews are only looking for if they haven't found their Messiah yet in Jesus. Yeah, I think that's what you see in the Deuteronomy passage. You know, it's remember, he's talking about, remember the deliverance uh, that I'm bringing to you. You know, you sit still and watch what I do. And so, um, 
So two things. I mean, we're, it's, it's a day of rest that the Lord himself took after he created for the first six days of creation. But it's also – so our, our, our remembering his delivering us from sin, to your point, um, and taking that burden off of us through Christ, uh, those are the really two focal points, I think, of really ab- learning to observe the Sabbath in a proper way. And so – to not do that and to either just work and go on business as usual on Sundays and just completely ignore that, I think all of a sudden we're breaking the command of you shall have no idols before me. Mm. It's all about us again. And it's just I'll provide for my own needs. I'll do what I want to do. I don't acknowledge what God wants me to acknowledge. And so I'll just – it's my life and I'll do as I please. And and so uh, I think this is just a call. You need to stop and understand it's not about that. I gave you this life. I created this life. You need to – recognize me, worship me, honor me, because this is what I've done, you know. Well, and there's so. an interesting symmetry in the way that God created and the way that God redeemed. So the first time that God rests is after his creation, and it's not because he was super tired and needed, you know, he needed a break. It was because he said, my work is complete. There is something perfect about what I've done, mm-hmm. and so I don't need to do any more. Mm-hmm. And so he calls us to rest as a reflection of, Agreeing with God that what he has done is good, there's an interesting symmetry in the way he redeems because the last thing Jesus says when he's dying on the eve of the Sabbath is, it is finished. The work is done. And then he happens to not raise himself back from the dead until the day after the Sabbath, just so he could hammer home the point, I have done it. Your redemption is just as complete as my creation of the world. Mm. And so... There's no further work of redemption to be given, yeah. to be offered up. Je- what Jesus did is he finished the work of redemption on our behalf. Right. And that ultimately is the point that the author of Hebrews is making, not just in Hebrews 4, but for the rest of the book, that he is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek who wanders into the, not wanders, marches into the Holy of Holies and pulls up a chair next next to the Lord God himself, the Father, um, and he offered once for all time the perfect sacrifice of his own blood, right? Right. Um, so the work is done. And for us as Christians, we we moved the day from Saturday to Sunday, the first day of the week, and some of that has to do with the way the Jews thought about the end of the first day and the beginning of the, the end of the last day and the beginning of the first day and how there's an eighth day, and it's weird. Mm. But anyway, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the day of his resurrection— is the day that we commemorate uh, the Lord and our covenant with him in the celebration of communion, Dad. To your point, remember me. Commemorate this as an act of worship and remembering your deliverance. So I want to throw this out to the group, and I want to talk about this a little bit and see what you guys think. We're kind of arguing now that um, Christians are obligated in some sense to keep the Lord's Day. Right, and yet, Paul in Colossians chapter two, in Galatians all over, and in multiple <laughs> other places, is saying, "Stop following special days. Stop cons- stop being someone who thinks that certain days are more important than other days." So, how do we reconcile Paul's admonition to new Christians to abandon the 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 Judaizers kind of um, imposition of the law upon them and yet maintain a sense of obligation to the Lord's day as Christians what is there any way to find agreement there well, I think it seems to me at least um, all those other laws that you're alluding to that we find in Colossians and other places were about doing things the Sabbath is about resting and so they they put such a strong emphasis on the works and observance of things, but uh, to me, that's just one of the things that leaps out of, uh, mm. in my in my thinking is that this is more about rest and reflection on the Lord. The others were more about what are you doing, and you need to keep doing these things. Yeah. I think, too, the corrections that Keith has pointed out about what Jesus was doing with his discussion of the Sabbath can be instructive in this regard. So Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. So whatever we do with a Christian obligation to the Sabbath has to be centered on Jesus and his person and his commands rather than 
simply what we see reflected in the practices of the Old Testament. Mm. I think one example of this is the way that Christians moved worship almost immediately to the first day rather than the Sabbath day, which is the day before, because they recognized as early as the last couple chapters of John that we should be meeting on the first day because that's the day that Jesus sort of consecrated for us in particular. Mm -hmm. So the day is not the most important thing there, apparently, according to at least the apostles, who Mm -hmm. I'll I'll trust their judgment on that one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is what Keith was bringing up before about when he heals the man with the withered hand, he asks a very particular question when he's trying to correct their view of the Sabbath. He says, is it good, is it right on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to heal or to harm. Mm -hmm. And I think for Christians, that's an instructive question, is what we're doing with ourselves, our own spirits, our own own families, our own souls, and what we're doing uh, with our neighbors on the Sabbath, good or evil, is it healing or is it harmful? And so I would say some of those key questions that Jesus asked can maybe help us go, okay, maybe it's not necessarily about making sure we're not deriving a certain distance on Friday evening, and it's more about are you taking time to honor the Lord's completeness in his creation and in his redemption, Mm -hmm. and are you setting aside a day to do that? I I used to wrestle with this a little bit as a, um, a, a minister of the church, you know, whether or not my work on Sundays was in some form or fashion. I mean, I'm on the clock, you know, on Sundays. I'm, I'm, we're there early for rehearsal. We stay until lunchtime. You know, we're, we're working on Sundays. We're, we're on. And I used to, I used to kind of grapple with whether there was some, you know, whether there was something wrong with that. Should, shouldn't, how, how can we be, how can we consider Sunday a work day and yet expect others to, to take off work to, mm. to be at church on Sunday? And Kyle, your, your point here is exactly, I think, in line with um, the conclusion that I came to, which is that Christ is calling us to be his ministers to the flock and to, to shepherd. And, and if that means pulling a sheep out of a ditch on a Sunday, That's- then... Then, then you're doing good. It's for their flourishing. Yeah, right. It's the equipping. Yeah. Right. So. And yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, the shepherd has an interesting job on in making sheep rest. So you see this in Psalm 23 where he makes them lie down in green pastures. So the shepherd <laughs> yeah. has a hard job. He has mm-hmm. to force the sheep to rest in the place they ought to rest in. And I think to your point, ministers have a particular job on the Sabbath, and it's to remind everyone of the importance of what we find on the Sabbath mm-hmm. in resting in God. I think also, you know, all the talk about rest uh, necessitates that our elder meetings be no longer than 30 minutes on Sundays now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in favor. <laughs> all, all in favor, in fact, say I. Um, what do you say, Keith? You're I'm an all in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, someone said, um, people who love meetings should not be impo- put in charge of anything. Right, that's right. Uh, Thomas Sowell, I think, said that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in favor of short meetings. I actually ran an experiment in a job I used to have. There were... We had meetings where the only thing we decided is we needed to reschedule and have more people at the meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided I was going to run an experiment and see if I could skip every other meeting without notice, just not show up, and see if it would have any impact on my career or my ability to get my job done. <laughs> and the answer was zero. I mean, I, I just started skipping every other meeting, and no one even said anything. I just sort of was able to do my job. I got promoted. You know, I mean, it didn't seem to matter. So. For those of you beginning your career uh, journey, don't take that as career advice. I'm, I'm not offering advice one way or another. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just Stating saying. Stating the obvious, yeah. Um, He's just sharing the, the data so you can follow the science along funny. with Keith. Well, you know, so um, getting back to Sabbath rest, there's one of my favorite movies of all time. I've got some two of my favorite stories have got to be Lord of the Rings and Lame as Rob. But two of my favorite movies are either It's a Wonderful Life or um, Chariots of Fire. And of of those two movies, I go back and forth between which one I think is uh, at the top. Um, you know, probably from like October thirty first to January thirty first, it's 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 a wonderful life is at the top, right? Reigns supreme, right? But then the rest of the year, it's Chariots of Fire, and um, Chariots of Fire is a really cool story that contrasts the striving for victory in the Jewish Harold Abrams racer, 
and the one and the Christian Eric Little. It's a true story of the Christian Eric Little who um, ultimately finds his rest in Christ and is able to then sit out on the Sabbath and say he takes this sort of public stand. I don't remember what year this was, but it's a true story. Eric Little was a, a Christian Olympian from Scotland, um, one of the greatest runners in the world at the time. And Harold Abrams was also, he was a Jewish Englishman. And um, the story really centers, goes back and forth on these two characters, one of them a Jew, interestingly, and the other a Christian. And when it comes down to it, Harold Abrams striving after victory um, is sort of pales, and then finding that victory ultimately kind of pales in comparison to the stand that that Eric Little takes by saying, I'm not going to run my qualifying heat on the Lord's Day. Now, I've I've always loved that movie. Eric Little is was has all my life been kind of a personal hero to me. I think he's an awesome guy. This is a guy who, by the way, ended up giving his life in service to the Lord in a Chinese prison camp during the war. Um, stayed behind and 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 served the community there because his family had a mission in China for years and years and years. Anyway, his stand to keep the Lord's Day holy and not run on the Sabbath, as he called it, what are we, you know, right choice or wrong choice? Where, where do we stand today? I'd kind of like to use this as a test case for what do we think is a is a right and proper appropriation of the fourth commandment for the 21st century christian is there liberty there or well, are or are we bound in some sense what do you think i think kyle hit on it earlier um i i don't know if we we view sunday as being that day for us um I think we have to take into consideration people whose jobs maybe require them to work on Sundays. But there's some day throughout the week where they have off. What they do with it, if they're believers, is important. You know, I think the, the expectation would be the same. If it's a Tuesday you get off because you have to work Sundays, then what we're talking about here today still applies to your Tuesday and how you go about it and honoring the Lord, respecting the Lord, um, and um, how you, you go about getting the rest and and um so you know eric liddell his um famous words or part of his famous words in that movie he said uh, you know the lord made me fast and when i run i feel his pleasure um he understood where his abilities came from and so i think in part of his observing the sabbath and, and taking that stand was just a recognition of I'm only who I am because of you, and so it's only right for me to take the time to honor you and um, and not run. And for him, it was on on the Sabbath as we observe it. I've often wondered if part of Chick Fil A's blessing as a company is because they take Sundays off; they don't open the doors. Hmm. You know, is that is that the Lord's way of um, giving a thumbs up to hmm. a, a founding mm-hmm. uh, family that said this is this is our motivation behind not being open on Sundays. Yeah, the, there's something about what they're doing at Chick-fil-A and what other Christian companies have done when they close up on Sundays still. And even Christians, I think, who in any number of lines of work ask off on Sundays. It's often the service industries that, that end up having to, to do this, whether yeah. you're serving tables or serving some other capacity. Yeah. You're going to have to ask off if you're hourly for— or if you're delivering for Amazon. If you're delivering, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they deliver every day. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll have to ask off on on Sundays in order to take that time off. And a Christian who does that is trying to, um, I think, make much of uh, the 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 expectation of Scripture and even the expectation of the author of Hebrews, since we've already quoted from that book, that we not forsake the fellowship, um, the gathering together as believers that there is something about the Lord's day when we gather together that ought not be forsaken. And if, so far as it depends on you to be there, be there, um, and, and keep that day as, uh, as kind of a focal point for your rest, if you can manage it. Right. Yeah. But what I like about what Chick-fil-A's done is they've sort of, um, 
they, they, they've they've done with Deuteronomy five what a New Testament Christian I think should do with this. So Deuteronomy five we've we've talked about already is the expectation God gives that that not only should you rest but your male servant hmm. should rest and your female servant should should rest. Why? Even your animals. Even your animals. Why? Because you should remember that you were also slaves in Egypt. And so to give as an employer to shut down on the Lord's day and give all of your employees a day of rest is really a way of extending the grace of your own deliverance to all of them and and give them a prefigurement of of whatever they'll receive in Christ when they come to him if they would yeah. but turn to him and find that full and final rest. It's I think it's kind of a cool mm. way of 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 offering grace and rest to those who are beneath you. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would I would take maybe Jesus's words in Mark two about Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, is particularly helpful for this question because I do know people whose job where it concerns Eric Little works concerns Eric Eric Little and and people whose work or obligations may may put them on a Sabbath. Right. I think it's important not to lean so heavily into it that you say uh now go and do likewise with with eric little's example um because there are people for whom that is a day of work uh, and for them to not do their work would be detrimental to um, their obligations as 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 fathers or as as uh, workers i would say this there is there is such a thing and jesus talks about this in his uh, sermon on the mount lessons there is such a thing as worry or striving that is sinful in the heart of man. There is a point at which we can so pursue things that it becomes idolatrous in our hearts. And so I would say for anyone sort of struggling with, you know, is my is my life reflecting the Sabbath, I would sort of piggyback a bit off of what Van was saying before. There needs to be a day. There needs to be a time where you are setting aside to rest and to honor the Lord and to remember what he has done and not what you need to keep on doing. Um, I think our culture is very frantic. We believe that humans are only benefiting themselves when they're, to Keith's point, materially increasing the amount of money they have or they're fixing something or they're doing something. And, And Jesus and the Father seem to be reminding us you can be blessed in not doing yeah it, and it, it seems uh human reasoning suggests that of course if you work seven days a week you're going to be better yeah. off you're going to yeah. make more money you're going to have more uh right. opportunity to you know advance in your eyes um but one of the comments been made in his message yesterday about putting gospel glasses on none of this makes sense unless you understand the purpose behind it and so if you have your gospel glasses on as a believer then you're going to start to understand this through a totally different lens, and it, and it makes sense. And oddly enough, you wind up benefiting from observing uh, the Sabbath in, in this manner. And so I would say for a guy like Eric Little, it was actually right, and he was obliged not to race because he had made the commitment to God that that was the day upon which he remembered him. So and so, So you're going to— you're going to go ahead and take a stand on that issue. <laughs> no, I mean, we've all been dancing around it, so I appreciate the I'm fact gonna say, that you're just I'm gonna saying, I'm going to say yeah. he's following actually the third commandment rather than the fourth maybe. Yeah. In sense of saying he had made a commitment to the Lord. Might have been a surprise to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. But I, I get your point. I hey, mean. It, I, maybe something we're missing a little bit in this, and I don't, I'm not trying to throw a rock in the pond here, but um, – if you think about the movie in particular and and what the event was that he was sort of mm-hmm. foregoing, it was not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, work being a first principle uh, and has its own place, God-ordained place in our lives. But what he was saying was, I'm not going to go play uh, yeah. instead of be with God's people uh, on the first day of the week. And And this was telegraphed in the movie by his conversation with a little boy who was out playing instead of being in church. He was playing soccer, right? Or football, as they called it in the movie. Uh, because everyone across the ocean has no understanding of what proper terminology <laughs> used about the game of soccer. But anyway, um, 
I just want to defend any British listeners we have. <laughs> yeah. um, All and, of them. Yeah, and the entire anyway, rest so of the world. There, I think there is a dimension in thinking about whether he did the right thing, hmm. which is uh, to sort of rightly assess the thing he was foregoing mm-hmm. in lieu of what he chose to, to mm-hmm. emphasize. Because it really yeah. wasn't someone was dependent on mm-hmm. his work there. This is, um, this is from Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14 to this point about um, the Sabbath rest being more than about just work and a ceasing from your work. He, the, the, the prophet Isaiah writes, if because of the Sabbath, this is the Lord speaking, if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath itself a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word, then you will delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. So it's interesting because it's it's exactly on the day that Eric Little would have been running that in that movie, he's um, there are these cutscenes where he is he's actually in church and he's reading a passage of scripture as this as the the camera is cutting to the guys who are actually running on Sunday and the passage of scripture he's reading um is is from uh, from the book of Isaiah from the prophet Isaiah but it's Isaiah 40 and it's this passage where he writes though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary. And in the end, Eric Little's the one who runs multiple races on one day because of his stand not to run on Sunday mm. and wins the races beating all the odds, right? Even mm. gets pushed out of bounds and gets up and runs. And we hear this echo, Van, from what you mentioned, when I run, mm. I feel his pleasure. Mm-hmm. And the head goes back and he wins. He's, he's mounting up with wings like eagles, right? So I, I, I think the Sabbath is good for a number of things still as Christians. And I think it's a complex issue because it is ultimately something fulfilled in Christ, but something that we still live into. It isn't behind us. It's in the midst of us in Christ. And maybe that's maybe that's the best way I know how to say it. The Sabbath isn't something we've done away with. It's something that we live in the fulfillment of. And there's yeah. a difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like we have nine commandments that we honor as Christians. No, there there are still ten commandments. Christ being the fulfillment of all of them, the Spirit being the the, the writing of the law upon our hearts. Yeah. And so, how we apply the Sabbath commandment still matters as Christians. Um, I, I would say Calvin was right to make a point in. You know, I, I mentioned that I'm reading Calvin's ex, exposition of the moral law um, in preparation for these conversations, and um, one of the things he highlights is that really daily repentance is one of the ways that Christians lean into the kind of rest that we ought to find in Christ as the end of the chasing of our way, mm-hmm. the end of the chasing of our pleasure, our carnal appetites. Mm-hmm. To find rest in Christ is to subdue our own will to the will of Christ and to the power of his spirit, which is interesting because it's exactly where Paul goes in Galatians after he sort of admonishes the Galatian Christians for why would you even go back to these laws and Sabbaths? You should be like just continuing in the spirit because if you walk in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So, in some ways, it is exactly our surrender to the Spirit in daily repentance that is how Christians kind of live into a, a, a daily reality of our rest in Christ, our, 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 the end of our striving after the wrong things, our own pleasures. Well, and I think, too, there's—I think now we have a hard time as Christians, and I'll, I'll put myself in this camp— we have a hard time feeling like the abstaining commands are as important as like the do commands. So like when Jesus says something like do this, it's easy to go, yeah, we should all be, you know, like share the gospel. We would all, I, sort, I feel like we would all be like, if Jesus said share the gospel, 
then we better well go out and do that and mm-hmm. as often and as actively as possible. Mm-hmm. When he says something like, don't work, or I guess in some ways it is still an act of command because it's remember the Sabbath. And maybe the, the word remember is a key is a key there in some ways. Um, it's harder for us to sort of enforce it on ourselves or on others. Um, but I think it behooves us to ask, okay, if it's not it's if it's not necessarily going to be the same form as the Jews had, if it's not going to be from sundown on Friday to sundown on sun, Saturday, uh, can we get creative with how we obey the Sabbath? And if we can, what are sort of the rules? What are the guideposts for being creative in obeying or keeping or remembering the Sabbath? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the creativity was um, allotted to the apostles in that sense. <laughs> and and if the if the apostles chose the first day of the week as the day that Christians would meet together and establish that not just in one place but in all places. Um, then there's great evidence to suggest that we probably ought to just defer to to their decision on the first day of the week, not because if you don't go to church or if you skip church or whatever, like if you're traveling and you don't end up in church, that like you've sinned, you've broken the Sabbath, right? right. But because the Lord's day is worth commemorating and gathering together with God's people, yeah. keeping his... Right. name sacred for you know it is it really does kind of go back to idol worship as well you know people talk about becoming workaholics work can become an idol just like anything else and many people would grab would, would claim liberty for something that's become license you know in their life to to make much of lesser things rather than a day to make much of the lord himself and and the lord's people yeah Mm-hmm. So, I hear what you're saying. I'm intrigued by if what you've all if what you've just said makes sense. Why would <laughs> which I, I think the, the perspective you put on that is pretty clear. Especially the fact that we should follow the example of the apostles. If that's in fact the case, then why wouldn't it be a sin to work on the Sabbath? If we would say all the other ones are sins, why would we then say well, well, well? But this one in particular, not doing it the way we've been given, wouldn't be a sin. I would say it's a pattern that we ought to follow. It's the difference between wisdom and law. And so I would say, wisdom would say, keep to the pattern the apostles set. For instance, I would even say doing communion weekly is the pattern the apostles set. And so perhaps it's wise to do communion weekly. Yeah, in the pattern, yeah. Right, within the pattern that the apostles set doing it we do it monthly currently which is more often than a lot of baptists do it which is you know quarterly or twice a year um so so i i think the closest you can get to the pattern the better um you know the 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 the, the protestant ship has sailed <laughs> um and so there are some things that we do we've sort of taken the onus of creativity back in some sense but i think as much as possible when we look at the early church and what the apostles established, that we can get back to their pattern um, on some of these <clears throat> issues. I think we're all the better for it, but it may be the difference between wisdom and law. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also the arrival of Jesus and the incarnation and his presence on earth heralded a new kind of thinking hmm. about worship. And you see this in his exchange with the woman at the well in John 4, where her first question when she realizes she's got a prophet on her hands is to ask a question about where's the right place to worship. Hmm. Is it in Jerusalem or on this mountain? So that that was top of mind for her when she realized that this is someone who had insight. And Jesus makes the point, neither this place nor in Jerusalem, uh, because that's not, he says a time is coming and has now come so he's declaring a new thing based on his presence, which is that worship, he goes on to say, is, not tied, is no longer tied to a time and place, but is in fact, um, I mean, we, we, we even say this, worship is all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we sing hymns along this, praising my Savior all the day long. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we sort of get this at one level, but uh, it's easy to forget. And so 
there is this dimension of of life in Christ, which is that our faith is not tied to moments and events in the way it, the ceremonial sort of aspects of the law sort of tied to you know worship to place, so to speak, seasons and months, right. and Days, like Paul says, right. But having said that, I think that at one level that is like woohoo. You know, there's this old joke about everybody lined up at the pearly gates and. And people way back in the line could you see everyone's jumping up and down and cheering and you know screaming and yelling and celebrating you know waiting to get in through the pearly gates and they're kind of wondering what's going on up there you know and someone comes running back down the line he's jumping up and down with his hands in the air saying they're not counting Wednesdays they're not counting Wednesdays <laughs> um, you know that was back in the day when people went to church on Wednesday night um, I'm sure people still do but, um, at, at any rate my my point is there's this. There's a sense in which it's not tied to time and place. And that sounds great, except that that means everything is sacred, mm-hmm. everything we do. And I think the question is less, you know, um, whether you sort of stuck to a certain day. More problematic is the question, are you devoting any day uh, well, to this and, question? And, and I come back to this, and I'll mention a, a hard—I'll I'll make people uncomfortable, not in this group, but— people who might be listening if if your kids sports take precedence over gathering with the people of god on a weekly basis then you need to ask yourself what am i teaching my children and what am i prioritizing mm-hmm. yeah. if your bass fishing takes precedence over meeting with the people of god on a regular basis i'm not saying that this can never happen i'm not trying to be legalistic and whatnot about it, but I think is it a matter of priorities and the mm-hmm. way we're living our lives and whether we're devoting ourselves to the thing in the body of Christ that we're called to be devoted to, and when the body of Christ gathers, are we committed to being there? Yeah, I think that's right, and I, I, I'm honestly, I'm less, I'm just less comfortable with some of the individual application that we we might be at risk of defaulting into somewhat to say, well, pick a day that works for you, you know. It, it, you know, apply this in a, in a way that, that, that makes the best sense for you or works with your schedule. Um, to, to me, I feel like that's, that's drifting into sort of the individualized sort of personal faith of the 21st century Christian mindset that isn't present in the scriptures or even in the histories, in, in the annals of the church. Until very, very late do we have this understanding of the Christian faith. Um, we are, as a body— indwelled by the Spirit differently than we are as individuals. The church body is something that we as individual Christians are not in isolation. And the embodied gathering. The embodied gathering is something, because otherwise we'll have, go ahead and stay home. Just worship from home. Watch online if you want to. Who cares? Well, that's kind of what happened with COVID. Right, right? yeah. And so I, I think we've got to be careful not to sort of throw application to the wind on this one and just say, you know, honor the Sabbath in a way, honor the Lord's Day in a way that just makes sense to you. It, 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 and, and I'll go on to say this. I understand what we mean when we say work is worship. But in a very distinctly Christian context, worship is not work. Right. Work is worship. Right. But worship itself is not work. And in the same way... Um, I mean, I've heard some church choirs that seem to be working at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. Um, So, so, uh, uh, yes, we can glorify God when we go to our jobs, and we we ought to be glorifying God seven days a week, 24-7, right? But when we gather together as God's body for worship, that's unique. In fact, I think the Scriptures would say it is a form of rest— from our work, the whole idea of six days shall you work, and the seventh is devoted to the Lord, is still kind of real if we're applying the concept of Christ as our rest to our worship. Um, so, so I, I, I don't, I don't think we can move radically away from an obligation um, to be with God's people. And I'll just say this, Paul on the one hand, says, guys, stop freaking out about days. Like, Christ and grace, are, you're in a new covenant, right? And yet he also commends the Lord's Day to the Corinthians. You ought to keep the Lord's Day. 
gather together well, at, at the and, Corinthian church. And the writer of Hebrews so that says, you can don't, don't, do the things that God's called you to, take up offerings. Right, and the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake gathering together. Right. You know, as some are in the habit of doing. Don't do that. I do think that whatever you decide about this, there needs to be a very real and uh, uncompromising commitment to meeting with the body of Christ when the body of Christ is coming together. Mm-hmm. And and you it, it, people need to be there. If there's any way for them to be there, they need to be there. You know, to your point, um, Paul says to the Galatians, if you take on the law, you're obligated to fulfill it. So here's the thing. It's possible in Christ to take on obligations that Christ isn't obligating you to, but that you have now obligated yourself to mm-hmm. um, as as a Christian. And and not all of that is sinful law, right? Like, not, not all of that. Right. So he, he, here's my point. You as a Christian, you are obligated to the church covenant that you have signed on to as a member. If your church is obligating Christians to gather together to be to faithfully attend the worship services of the church then how you're going to apply the sabbath has been answered for you you need to abide by the commitment you made in your covenant of membership to attend the worship services of your church so that you can observe the Lord's day together with that body gathered right now if you, if you're listening and you're a catholic and you've obligated yourself to the to the obligations that the Catholic Church has put on you, then in my opinion, this is just me personally speaking, you're obligated to those things. Hmm. You're under the authority of the church that you've signed up to belong to. You really are, in God's view, I think, under the authority of the church that you've chosen to belong to, that, that, you've, that you've adopted. Um, and so I would just say, in some sense, it's not individual. It's a corporate decision that we ought to all be willing to abide by. But what about all those? I mean, we're just trying to live our truth. We can't just pick our own day. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess you can. Well, and I'm even sort of scratching my head now, Ben, because you, you sort of opened this can of worms of it's not just about our work. It's about our pleasures as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about what do we do with our afternoons? You know, let, you know, we go to church and we do and we worship. But if if we're keeping the if we're keeping a day holy, if we're remembering the Lord on a particular day, mm-hmm. this is making me ask myself questions about, like, am I spending the next six hours binging Netflix right after I just said, today is the day of the Lord? You know, and he's to be yeah. worshipped on it. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, should I be – should the whole – should that entire day be crafted completely differently so it's not just a holiday where I sort of say, what do the appetites of Kyle want yeah. to do today? And more asking – how can I most effectively remember the Lord and what he has yeah. done for me on a day like today? And and maybe the answer really is similar to the other answer, which was more about wisdom than law. Um, you know, I, maybe there's some wisdom. Van, you mentioned this idea of the blue law. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that is. That's probably before my time. Um, you're just that old, but... Yeah, um, I'm that old, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was, it was used to have laws in muni- certain municipal- municipalities in Texas where... Uh, businesses were not allowed to be open and operating on on Sundays. Well, I know you're still not allowed to buy alcohol before noon. At least right. I have that on good authority. Well, and I think liquor still, they don't sell it all on Sundays, in, right. at least in certain municipalities. So, um, so th- listen, th- there's some interesting things here. Um, when we talk about the benefit of the Sabbath and what God called us to, we should reflect that there's something in the Sabbath that's baked into the fabric of reality, and it is that it is good for us to rest, mm-hmm. among other things. We are not made solely for work. We're also made for worship. And in order to do both well, we need to rest, right? And, and we need— and, and more than us needs to rest. Our fields need to rest, it turns out. Well, right? and I think— I think there's this too, which is not just rest like I'm going to sit in the recliner uh, rest, but cease one thing in favor of another. And so I think what at some level the Sabbath is really saying is cease from your all these other labors and devote yourselves to remembering the works of God. Yeah. Well, and to Kyle's point, you know, so do we sit and remember God's works all day? Even after church is 
been dismissed. Do we go home and and just sit there and remember? Are we allowed to watch the Cowboys? Is Can that what we really asking? That's what well Kyle was saying. Ne- the example I, of Netflix, right? Should yeah. we sit and watch? So I, I, I think that um, among among other things, the Sabbath is an opportunity to be devoted to uh, a day of remembering the Lord, but also a day of being with God's people. And so, to the extent that we on Sundays, maybe just one. One option to consider as Christians when the church service has dismissed and you're off on your own, yeah, take a nap. If you need to rest, like physically rest, take a nap. Um, you and because know. it's about people. Yeah, and, and also maybe gather with family mm-hmm. and spend some time with other people. Gather with church friends and spend some time in fellowship around a table, mm-hmm. um, the kind of table fellowship we see Christians enjoying in, in Acts, you know. Um, you know, so I, I think I think there's some wisdom to be offered there in how we appropriate our or, or what we emphasize on the Lord's day. It it could be the Lord's things and the Lord's people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and even if that means just sleeping, then yeah. then there's something I think sacred about that sleep that's appropriate. Yeah, I think I I try to lean a lot on. Uh, James one seventeen, which says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, and I think for a lot of us, my I, I grew up in the millennial generation, so we're sort of we don't like people telling us what to do, <laughs> and so uh, one of the things that I think is hard is I don't think that began with you guys. We're no. horrible in there, <laughs> but uh, I know some two year olds that don't like anybody telling yeah, them what to do. <laughs> we we wear we wear a rebellion as a badge of honor yeah. in particular, but I, I think. W- it's hard when God gives you a gift and it doesn't feel like one. When <laughs> yeah. he, he says, listen, I've given you the gift of, the, of a day of rest and worship. And we're like, man, there's so many other things I was planning to do with that day. Believing that things like w- the worship of the Lord, things like the gathering with the people of the Lord, things like resting from our labor and in some ways resting from our, our, our other pursuits or other pleasures, mm. believing that that's a good Mm-hmm. That I am for more than those things, mm-hmm. and that I can uh, let myself receive a day of rest as a gift. I think that's what I think that's what we think about moving from this podcast. How can I, how can I see the priorities God wants to communicate in the Sabbath as gifts? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this too. I think I think you're right, Kyle, and I also think that Christians in in the West in America in the 21st century. I mean, this is. This is the context we inhabit. We have an opportunity every week to be peculiar in the way that Eric Little was peculiar um, in, in the context of the Olympics. He said, you know, whatever your take is on what he said, his stand was, you know, we were talking earlier, Dad, his truth point was that Jesus is Lord of this day. And I'm going to be about his business and I'm going to attend a gathering of his people i'm i'm going to prioritize the lord and his people and his worship today and not give myself to all the things that the world's given itself to right now and he did that on a very public stage and made a very public stand and i think he he kind of won a victory for christ there he made a point mm-hmm. he made a stand for jesus i think christians have the same opportunity today not not to sort of not to drift into the realm of license and like, well, we can do whatever we want. Pick your own day. You know, worship at one thirty on Wednesdays or something. You know, like, yes, okay, worship on one thirty at Wednesdays. But we have a chance as Christians to stand out and be peculiar for our insistence that we're going to make much of our gathering together, much of our worship of the Lord. Um, this, I think, I think will stand out. Uh, for for our faithfulness to something like the fourth commandment, and even when we're not all together as one body, to remember that every day is is still about the Lord. This is right. the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So it's still all about Him on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. So right, you know, it we live it with a Sabbath mindset. I think or should in how we go about our days. But we have this one day that we set aside to really come together as one body and. Yeah. And dedicate worship uh, mm-hmm. to the Lord. So mm-hmm. it it affords us opportunities to, to your suggestions about spend more time with family or go out with people after church. You know, it that that day affords you opportunities that the other days, most of the time, don't 
because of work schedules and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we've we've had about an hour uh, to come up with something. So, anyone got a good Sabbath joke? <laughs> no. Okay. No. We're gonna have to well, save that for uh, those comedians you're you gonna, were calling you're gonna, on. Right. You're gonna have to give us uh, more warning. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thanks, guys. Um, look forward to the next conversation. Oh, I got one. I got one. Did you hear about the guy that ran a race on the Sabbath? No. He didn't make it to the finish line. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. That's I so think bad. he just made that up. Yeah. Pathetic. All right. Well, on that note. This has been a Faith and Culture Conversation, a ministry of Lake Ridge Bible Church. You can join the conversation by emailing us at faithandculture at lakeridge.org. Special thanks to Jeremy Wilkerson for producing.